You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is... June 4th, 2021. My name is Philip Rosswick. I'm the expert insight editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked on Magic, we're going to talk about the Magic's cap situation, how the Magic did actually free up some cap room, although not immediately. We'll talk a little bit about that and break down some of those numbers coming up here today. I know we've talked a lot about the cap future of the Magic, especially on yesterday's episode, so I want to get those numbers out to you now. Um, We'll also talk about the lessons the Magic can learn from the Boston Celtics. Uh, and and their building plan and and how they've fallen a bit short. Um, some bigger global lessons about the NBA in general there. And we'll finish off by uh, continuing our player evaluation series. We will talk a little bit about Evan Fournier and the season that he had for the Orlando Magic, as well as the larger scope that roles play in an NBA player's perceived success, at the very least. But before you do any of that, I do want to remind you all to check out all the great podcasts on the Lockdown Podcast Network by searching every download podcast for Lockdown and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on the Denver Nuggets after their big win over the Portland Trailblazers? Check out Locked On Nuggets. How about the Phoenix Suns? You got Locked On Suns for that. No matter who your team is, whether it's in the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, or college too, there is a Locked On podcast for you to search for every download podcast for Locked On in the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. So stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. So one of the things that Jeff Weltman talked about when the Magic made the trades um, was that the team got a little bit more cap flexibility. Um, they, they essentially cleaned their books up. Our friend Keith Smith of Yahoo Sports um, talked about this a little bit too uh, when he was breaking down the trades and saying one of the things the Magic really did a good job here is they cleaned up their books. They got rid of a lot of long-term salary. I mean, Aaron Gordon had two years left on his deal. Evan Fournier was set to become a free agent. Nikola Vucevic had two years left on his deal. Getting rid of Al Farouk Aminu or trading Al Farouk Aminu who had another year left on his deal that was just kind of a little bit of dead weight um, will allow the Magic to make some moves in free agency. Don't expect it to happen this year. Not only are the Magic a rebuilding team, um, they, they, they're not a team that's going to have a lot of appeal to free agents, and not only is this a bad free agent class to begin with, but the Magic created some cap flexibility, but it doesn't really become realized until the 2022 season, or until after the 2022 season, excuse me. The Magic... They're, they're planning to kind of build from the middle. I, I know I spoke about this a lot last year. Really depended on getting good value in trades for their key players. Guys like Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier, especially, and eventually Nikola Vucic. Being able to trade up, essentially. You know, maybe tie a draft pick to an Aaron Gordon to get the star player that would complete the roster. That's what the Magic were always in the hunt for. And again, we might talk about this a little bit later on when we talk about the Wizards, but... Russ, you know, and, and I'll, I'll probably mention again when we get, get a little bit later on in the show here too, but the fact that the Magic were in the running for Russell Westbrook at one time, the betting favorites to acquire him, that was a sign that some things were working. But obviously what matters on the court determined whether that plan would work. The Magic didn't have a good season. Everything fell apart, and yes, the value of their players tanked. The Magic got Gary Harris to match salaries and RJ Hampton, a young, a young very unproven player. 
the magic for Evan Fournier essentially got nothing. Um, you know, they got trade exception, which we talked about a lot yesterday, but um, essentially the Magic's plan to build from the middle kind of cratered because the team itself didn't improve. And injuries played a role in that. Obviously, Markel Fultz was not in the lineup. Jonathan Isaac was not in the lineup. Though that played a huge role when you're down two starters, it's tough to win anyway. Um, but the Magic essentially abandoned this, this path because their players weren't increasing value and now they had to make some financial decisions and they didn't want to be stuck where they were. So thus, the complete reset of the franchise. So what do the Magic's books look like? For next season, the 2022 season, the Magic have $93.7 million committed without picking up any options or draft picks. So that's, you know, James Ennis becoming a free agent. That's Dwayne Bacon's contract not getting renewed. Um, That's, or not picking up the team option on Dwayne Bacon's contract or picking up the guarantee on Dwayne Bacon's contract. Um, the, The Magic are under the cap again. They were over they were playing they were over the cap last year. They are under the cap once again. The salary cap for the 2022 season is currently expected to come down at 112.4 million dollars. It's not clear if that number will change. But for the sake of this 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 uh discussion, the Magic will have about 18.7 million dollars in cap. That feels like a really good chunk of change. It's not enough to make to go after a max player and again, this is not a great free agent class. But the team has Play, has some some money to spend. That money will get eaten up very, very quickly, though. Let's say the Magic draft third. Let's just go with where the Magic are currently projected to pick. The number three pick in the draft is slotted to make $6.7 million in the 2022 season. Um, the eighth pick in the draft is slotted to make $4.2 million. So that's $10.9 million of that $18.7 gone already. So for all practical purposes, the Magic will have $7.8 million in cap room to spend next season, or this offseason. What are you going to get for $7.8 million? Well, DJ Augustine was at $7.3. So you're probably looking at a backup backup player or or a reserve reserve rotation player, if that, um, with that kind of money. Magic, um, I, I know I said in the article, the Magic will have the mid-level exception. They will not because they are not over the cap. They will have the room exception, which is about an extra $4 million to spend. So the Magic, and you can't spend that in addition to your $7 million of cap room. Um, so the Magic, the Magic, you know, have, again, that one tool and then a the second tool to go get a player, plus the trade exception and all that. So in free agency, the Magic are not ready to be players yet. And don't expect the Magic to make any significant signings. I do expect them to bring in at least one more veteran player using that cap room. I wouldn't expect a super long-term contract, probably a similar deal to Dwayne, to Dwayne Bacon, where it's a two-year deal, either fully guaranteed or if they can get a partial guarantee on that second year, I think that's that's what they would prefer. There's one thing we can all agree that Jeff Weltman has been very, very good at. It's been structuring contracts. He's been very, very good at structuring contracts to benefit the Orlando Magic. So the Magic are not going to be free agent players this year. Um, That's just not how their team is set up and built right now. Um, They are not going to be a team that's going to be uh, going to be, you know, kind of in that mode right now. And again, they're a rebuilding team. What free agent? What you know, big name free agent is going to take the chance on Orlando right now? Now, again, Steve Clifford and Co. and Charlotte got Al Jefferson to take that chance, and that turned them into a playoff team pretty quickly, as did Kemba Walker, but. Um, but that's not likely the direction the Magic are going. Um, like like I've pointed out before, um, the Magic's roster is pretty full. They've got ten. They've got probably ten players they really care about right now. And again, I'm not. Uh, and, and that would include Michael Carter Williams. Adding two rookies is going to make it twelve. There's going to be players who aren't going to be playing, and you want to add some veteran presence as well. So um, I, I do think that. 
I do think that the Magic are going to make some changes. I don't think this is a final number at all. I think we will see the team be active and, and look to move some pieces around on the table as well. Where the Magic really realize their cap savings is going to be in the summer of 2022. So next summer is when the Magic will really have some money to throw around. Currently, the Magic have only $54.9 million committed to the 2023 season, including the Magic's three current rookies, including their options for their third season. Adding in the rookie-scale contracts for the 2021 third and eighth picks, that brings the total up to just $66.3 million. So before considering whatever draft picks the Magic are going to bring in in the 2022 draft, the Magic are projected to have $49.5 million in cap space for the summer of 2022. Now, the Magic will have some free agents to deal with as well. Terrence Ross will be a free agent. Wendell Carter will be a free agent. Gary Harris will be a free agent. But even if the Magic re-signed a few of those, so $49.5 million, you're looking at essentially room for two, two max players. Even if the Magic wanted to bring back one of those players, they would still have max cap room in the summer of 2022. The question then will become, do the Magic want to spend max cap room? Do the Magic want, is there someone that's good enough and big enough that wants to come to Orlando and play in that, uh, play for this team? That's going to be the real, real big question. And it depends, again, it might depend on how the draft goes. Um, like I said yesterday, the Magic might decide to rent that cap space out, bring in some more future assets, bring in a veteran to help this team out in, in, in the short term. Um, see if, you know, maybe punt that cap room down. And the summer of 2022 is expected to be a very good draft class, but maybe punt that cap room down another summer as the team develops. You get the number one draft pick and Cade Cunningham is everything you imagine. Maybe you don't do that strategy. Maybe you wait. Maybe you say, you know, if Cade is as good as we all think he can be, maybe someone does want to come down here and help speed this process up. At the end of the day, free agency is about what you can prove to free agents. The big free agents, they care about winning more than anything else. So if you're winning, if you show signs that you're winning, that you're making progress, you can convince a max player to come here. That I believe that wholeheartedly. The Magic did with Rashard Lewis. They certainly did with Tracy McGrady uh, and, and Grant Hill. You can convince max players to come to Orlando, but the way the NBA and free agency works right now, you got to have the team first. got to have a team that makes them believe you can win. And so even if... There are still some pieces to move around to get where you want to go if Jonathan Isaac comes back and looks extremely healthy. If Cade Cunningham or whoever the Magic draft looks like he's a future all-star, the Magic can go be like the Hawks were last year and go make moves to add the veteran players to add, to eat up that cap space uh, and, and kind of play that game. The point is the Magic have flexibility again. We talked about it over the last two off-seasons, how the Magic were kind of stuck. They didn't have much room to work with. They needed a trade that would clearly make them better to take that next step, or they had to get really smart with their mid-level exception. And no doubt about it, Jeff Weltman's decision to sign Al Farouk Uminu, as, as much logic as might have been in it, was a complete failure, and I think ultimately slowed the team's growth down. Um, the team was not nearly as good as it could have been in 2020, and certainly not as good as it could have been in 2021, because the big free agent acquisition that Jeff Weltman made was sitting on the bench injured. And that's not his fault. That's no one's fault. But there was an opportunity cost loss there. And the Magic did a good job getting out from under that, of course, and they're still set up really, really well for the summer of 2022 to make a big play. Whether they're able to make that big play or not is going to be dependent on what happens during this, certainly what happens in the draft lottery and also what happens during the season. 
if the Magic are good enough during the season, if the Magic are good enough um, playing, you know, kind of playing, uh, you know, kind of playing that, that their style, uh, you know, playing uh, playing like they're looking like a playoff team, then doors open for them. I, I, I will continue to stress this when it comes to free agency and predicting what's going to happen in free agency. Orlando is not a market that the star players are going to seek. You have to convince them and persuade them that, A, this is a place that's going to do what it takes to win. And I think opening the new practice facility is going to be a big, big, big step in that as well. Um, That's going to do what it takes to win, both on the court and off the court. And I think the off the court stuff is fine. The Amway Center is a great facility. The new practice facility is going to be one of the best in in the league, I I would imagine. The Magic will have the bells and whistles to attract free agents. The question is going to become what happens on the court. Are you good enough? Are you showing enough signs on the court to make a play a veteran player to make a free agent player say, "I'll take a chance on that. I believe in that." Um, again, Steve Clifford was able to do it in Charlotte with Al Jefferson and Kemba Walker. Um, you know, I, I you can you can talk to Hornets fans, and yes, it feels like very very small small things, but Al Jefferson taking that chance on the Charlotte Hornets and or the Charlotte Bobcats at the time was a humongous deal for them, and they obviously took advantage of that for a couple playoff playoff appearances. Orlando is probably, uh, no offense to Charlotte, Orlando is probably a more attractive market than Charlotte. So who's going to take that chance? Who are the Magic going to take a chance on and who is going to take that chance? So the Magic did create cap room. They did create the flexibility that you want to see. The question is, what are they going to do with it in in the summer of 2022? Again, they could very well rent that cap space. If they don't feel they're ready, I think renting the cap space and punting it down another year or two is a perfectly fine strategy. And again, a lot of this is going to depend on what happens on draft lottery on draft lottery night. But the Magic have created flexibility where we have these options to discuss. We're not stuck like we were the last two summers. Um, and obviously, what's going to happen on the court is going to determine the path the Magic go down. We're going to talk a little bit about the lessons we've learned from the Boston Celtics coming up here in just a moment. But first... It is time for our Michelob Ultra moment of the week. Um, And and obviously it happened last night. Uh, You know, I'm I'm still surprised that there's negative reaction to to this, but I I think very clearly the moment of the week belongs to Aaron Gordon. Um, In a a tight game on the road in game six, Aaron Gordon stepped up and took the biggest shot of his career, um, hitting a three-pointer that gave the Denver Nuggets a nine-point lead and eventually led to their ouster of the Portland Trailblazers, sending potentially Portland into some chaos as a franchise, um, sending sending the Portland Trail, Trailblazers home from the postseason uh, with a huge win. And Aaron Gordon, playing on a very good Denver Nuggets team, it's not just about him, but Aaron Gordon is moving on to the second round of the playoffs. I am one that believes in joy. I believe in celebrating players. I'm so, so, so happy for Aaron Gordon because... Again, he's 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 magic he's magic fam for life. And as I tweeted last night uh, with the play, I give that play a fifty. So, Aaron, congratulations on making the second round of the playoffs. More importantly, thank you so much for our, congratulations on getting the Michelob Ultra moment of the week. Remember, with Michelob Ultra, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And with only two point six carbs and ninety five calories, Michelob Ultra helps joy create success. Enjoyment isn't the end game; it's the whole game.
Today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it, and at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season with Michelob Ultra. As I've been doing throughout the course of the playoffs, as teams get eliminated, as we come up on the end of the first round, we'll continue to discuss the lessons that we can learn from the teams that are eliminated from the playoffs. Some of them are small-scale lessons, lessons about how to team build and, and what is valued in the NBA. Some of them are bigger lessons about team building and figuring out how to reach the top and what you have to do when you are at the top. And that's what we're going to talk about today with the Boston Celtics. No doubt. The Boston Celtics have been a success story under Danny Ainge. Um, they're a team that um, kind of, A, won the championship in 2008, but A, saw the end of their run, hit a reset, and reloaded very, very quickly with all the draft assets that, that, that were acquired in the process. Danny Ainge has done a masterful job positioning his team to refresh itself quickly, whether it was Isaiah Thomas, whether it's Jason Tatum. And, you know, no matter what you think about Danny Ainge here at the end, now that he stepped down as the president of basketball operations for the Boston Celtics or the general manager, I don't know how, what their structure's like. Um, as he steps down from that front office role, he undoubtedly had a lot of success. But it's hard not to sit here and think, maybe they could have been a little bit better. Maybe the Celtics are... A little bit of a disappointment. Um, maybe, maybe Boston is not all that they could be. I think that's honestly a fair assessment. The Celtics went to three Eastern Conference Finals here in the last, I think, five or six years with zero Finals appearances. Even with last year with the top seed Milwaukee Bucks out of the way and defeating the Toronto Raptors on their way to the Eastern Conference Finals, even with all of that, Boston could not get over the hump. And it just always feels like, A, the Celtics are in a position to rebuild, the Celtics are in a position to make the big move, and they just never do. It is a running joke in the NBA right now about how close Danny Ainge has been to acquiring so many different players, whether it was Anthony Davis or even Nikola Vucevic. He said publicly, we were really close to getting Nikola Vucevic. Some of, that, some of this, I think, is just posturing. I, I don't think the Celtics were actually very close to getting Nikola Vucic. There was just nothing the Celtics could offer that I think would, A, have matched what the Bulls were willing to offer, or B, entice the Magic to ultimately move on from Nikola Vucevic. Marcus Smart's not enough. Tristan Thompson's not enough. And the Celtics don't exactly have the draft assets they used to. But, but the point is, the Celtics' window has been open for a while now. The Celtics went and got Kyrie Irving. The Celtics went and, you know, bucked... Everyone by trade by trading the number one pick for Jason Tatum, the right decision. They have been in the running for all these big players, and yet every decision they seem to make isn't actually making the team better. Just kind of leaving them treading water. Now look, Boston this year faced a lot of injuries. There's no doubt about it. Faced a ton of injuries. Not as many as the Magic, but a lot. Jalen Brown missed the playoffs with a wrist injury. You know, even Evan Fournier was out for two weeks um, uh, under health and safety protocols after he tested positive for COVID. Um, they dealt with a lot of stuff. Marcus Smart was in and out of the lineup. Tristan Tops, you know, but there's a lot of stuff. Kemba Walker was constantly dealing with the knee issue and they were managing it the entire season. There were a lot of issues Boston faced. That would explain why they were something of a disappointment this year. 
bring Jalen Brown back, and Boston's probably a top four team in the East and, and, and a team that can compete for an Eastern Conference cha- championship. There's, there's still no doubt about that. But Boston also needed more. Kemba Walker isn't the player that he was, and he's eating up a big chunk of their salaries. Consider deadweight salary at this point. Trading him for Al Horford has not worked out the way the Celtics hoped, and the Celtics have huge questions at center still. The, allowing Gordon Hayward to leave without getting anything in return hurt them even more. They lacked his playmaking and his scoring ability to help support that young core. And yes, I think letting Gordon Hayward go to give Jalen Brown the opportunity to shine was a good one. The Boston just didn't replace him with anything. And that hurt the team. At the end of the day, when your window was open, when your championship window was open, and especially if you're a market in a team like the Boston Celtics that will get the benefit of the doubt and can make mistakes and recover from them in a way that a team like Orlando cannot, you have to go for it. And Danny Ainge's consistent reticence to go for it, to go for those big players, to be a factor in all those big trades and to actually pull one off instead of just getting close to pulling one off is likely why the Boston Celtics are home early right now. We've seen this play out in Orlando Magic history too. When the Magic have sensed their championship windows open, they have been aggressive to get things done. Take the summer of 1994, for instance. The Orlando Magic had just come off their first playoff appearance in franchise history. They knew they had something really special brewing in Anthony Hardaway and Shaquille O'Neal. So what did the Magic do? They traded Scott Skiles and made some other salary cap maneuvers to open up the cap space to sign an all-star in Horace Grant. To me, that was the consequential move that pushed the Magic into the finals in 1995, far before anyone believed they would reach that level. They added another all-star in free agency, and they outmaneuvered the rest of the league in order to do it. People complained that the Magic were trading Scott Skiles for draft picks and, and receiving nothing in return. People complained about that. But the Magic had their plan, and they executed it to perfection. Even 2009, the summer of 2009, I thought was a masterstroke by Otis Smith, to be perfectly honest. It didn't work out completely the way the Magic wanted, of course, but it was still a good summer for the Magic. Whether you agree or not with the decision to re-sign Hito Turkoglu from the summer of 2009, in hindsight, it's always 2020. But whether or not you agree with that decision, once that decision was made, the Magic put all their chips in nonetheless. They went out and got Vince Carter, who was coming off an all-star, as well as a young player in Ryan Anderson, don't forget. That was, that was a huge part of that deal. They went out and got Vince Carter. Trading away essentially nothing. Rafer Alston, Tony Batie, Courtney Lee, for Vince Carter and Ryan Anderson, two rotation-level players on a team that went on to win 59 games. They went out and got Brandon Bass in free agency. They matched contracts and restricted free agency for Marcin Gortat and J.J. Redick. They went so deep into the luxury tax because they knew their window was open and they were going all in. I would argue, and I don't think I'm alone on this, the 2010 Magic were better than the 2009 Magic, even though they fell short of the end, of going back to the NBA Finals. And honestly, I, I as much as I disagreed with the moves, and I think they were ultimately what it led to the downfall of the Dwight Howard era Magic, Otis Smith knew his window was still open. And as things began to fall apart in the 2011 season, Otis Smith was again aggressive to make something happen. Now, was trading Richard Lewis for Gilbert Arenas a bad deal? Maybe. Richard Lewis was starting to fall off for sure and certainly was not the same player uh, after that. Um, I think maybe holding on to him for that last year of his contract probably would have been smarter. Um, But Gilbert Arenas was a potential star player. 
the kind of perimeter score the Magic needed, and he just didn't gel well with Stan Van Gundy or what the Magic were trying to run or you know, was not able to play alongside Jameer Nelson. Was the Magic's decision to trade uh, trade for Hito Turkoglu back with Phoenix as well as Jason Richardson and Earl Clark a good deal? Hito Turkoglu certainly was not the same player as the Magic hoped to recapture that Magic, pun intended. Jason Richardson was solid, although not the player the Magic needed. Um, Orlando did not get the most of, of that of that uh, trade. And of course, as I tend to point out to people, I'm not saying the Magic would have been able to accomplish these deals, but both Darren Williams and Carmelo Anthony became available just a few months later. If the Magic had waited and offered those same deals and made those same moves, they might have been able to get the star that they really, really, really needed. Although, in fairness, and I didn't put point this out in the article, Otis Smith's reticence to trade Jameer Nelson probably hurt the team in the long run. Jameer Nelson probably was the trade chip the Magic had that would have netted the star that they really needed to pair with Dwight Howard and keep that window open. And the and the loyalty to Jameer Nelson, is, and again, no, Jameer Nelson was great. It would have been tough to trade him. It would have needed to have been a great return. But the reticence to trade Jameer Nelson, whether to go after Chris Paul or whoever else, again, also closed that window. The point then is, and the Magic, of course, are far away from this. The point then is, when your window is open, go for it. Go get the star player. Go get those players that help you win championships. Don't sacrifice your core. Don't sacrifice your big star. But you look at what the Lakers did. Lakers positioned themselves for LeBron. They knew LeBron was coming. You can't convince me of that. And then they went out and got Anthony Davis, no matter what the cost was. They went out. They were willing to get Chris Paul, no matter the cost. Um, you know, way back when in 2012, they were willing to go. They're willing to go for any star they have to get to keep their championship window open, and that's what you have to do when you're at the very top. I want to talk real briefly about Evan Fournier's season as our player evaluation series continues. Um, we'll talk about that coming up here in just a moment. But first, it is getting to be summer here in Florida and Central Florida. I'm looking outside my window. It is getting a little overcast. You know, those heavy storms are on their way. Got a little bit of rain yesterday as I was driving to Tampa to watch the Tampa Bay Lightning. You can check out Locked On Lightning for a recap of the overtime loss last night. First off, before we get anywhere else, so good to be back in a full stadium. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it was a like sellout, sellout, like a complete sellout, but just the noise and energy of being back in a full arena. I, I can't wait to have that back at the Amway Center in the fall. But that's an aside. Here in Central Florida, the weather is crazy. And, and you got to take care of your car because you can't get to Tampa to watch Lightning games or Bucks games or whatever or Rays games. The Rays are really good too. Um, you, can't, you, can't go, you can't do that. You can't get anywhere in Central Florida without your car. So take care of your car this, uh, this summer. And if you are someone that takes care of your car yourself, you need rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate, so quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. 
Today's podcast also brought to you by our pals at Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, including occasional limited time flavors, like the one they sent me a while ago that looks delicious. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they are definitely passionate about their favorites, but there's just so many to choose from. All of them are really, really good. Whether it's mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, or salted caramel, those are my favorites. You can There's something for everyone. So, if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors currently available. The best part about Built Bars is these are not your typical protein bars. These are not meal replacement bars. These are true supplement bars. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and only four grams of net carbs. A couple of the other flavors have a little bit more, but only up to 180 calories. It's really, really, really good for you. So order today and get your favorite flavor now. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So we're going to hit player evaluations here. I know I've been promising those. We're going to hit them pretty heavily next week where we're still kind of writing them up on orlandomagicdaily.com. So definitely be sure to check that website out uh, for all of our player evaluations. I'm not going to hit on everyone. I do want to make sure on the podcast we do talk about the key players um, of the season and what to expect from them moving forward. But we also want to take stock of, of players that are no longer on the team, of course, and as we, as we evaluate and figure out uh, what happened this season. And obviously injuries were such a huge factor, but there's also something really important to bring out about this too. And it's a point that I've, I think I've mentioned in a lot of debates and discussions that I've had with fans, as well as discussions I've had here on certain players. Evan Fournier had a career season for the Orlando Magic. He scored, had the had a highest scoring average, I think, in his career with the Orlando Magic. He had a 53.1 effective uh, percent effective field goal percentage. He was really, really good. Um, you know, again, with the Orlando Magic, 19.7 points per game, 56% effective field goal percentage. He finished the season at 16.2 points per game, a 53.1% effective field goal percentage. He played really, really well, about as well as you could expect from him. And yet, everyone always wanted more. Everyone always expected more from Evan Fournier or thought that Evan Fournier just wasn't the right guy. And to some extent, everyone is right here. There are, there are no wrong answers because Evan Fournier had a career season and the Magic needed more from him. Now, granted, this season Fournier was dealing with back spasms for a good chunk of the year and was in and out of the lineup, especially early on, and that cost the Magic big time. They, were, they really struggled to kind of keep themselves afloat, whereas... Last year when Nikola Vucevic was down for, for about a month with the sprained ankle, Evan Fournier was the reason the Magic kind of stayed afloat and in the playoff race and kind of kept themselves a, a, above water. But at the end of the day, Evan Fournier, like so many players on this, ma- on this Magic team that we will talk about ad nauseum, were simply asked to do more than they can do. Evan Fournier has been in this league long enough. We all know what he's capable of. You give him the ball, he's going to get you numbers. But is he going to contribute to winning as the primary creator on the perimeter? And the answer to that question, Magic have known this for a long time, the answer to that question is no. Orlando needed someone to relieve Evan Fournier of that uh, that creative creating role and make him be a spot-up shooter, make him be an off-the-screen shooter. And that's something that we saw very, very briefly this season. The Magic's offense in the first four or five games of the season was incredible. And certainly some of that is early season noise, but having Markel Fultz playing at the level that he was playing at, 
uh, and, and attacking and driving and creating for others and just creating a little bit of chaos, a little bit of unpredictability, helped Evan Fournier tremendously. And that was the role he always needed to play. It's why once he got comfortable in Boston, once he came back from the, from, from the health and safety protocols, he actually had a really good run in Boston. Again, he averaged plenty of points with the Boston Celtics. Had a really good playoffs, actually, too. But of course, they needed more from him because Jalen Brown was out. He had to be the second scoring option with Kemba Walker limited. The Magic needed more from him. And even this deep into Evan Fournier's career, it is really difficult to get a sense of what his best role is. Is he better as a sixth man? I think that's a fair question that the Magic were never able to explore because they could not, they could not and just never did bring in better players. You know, maybe that would have been the role he should have had when he was playing alongside Victor Oladipo all along. But, you know, Victor Oladipo was not who Victor Oladipo became quite yet. And Evan Fournier, frankly, was was a more consistent producer on the court for a team that was, at that point, probably trying to win a little sooner than they should have been. Evan Fournier gave a lot to this Orlando Magic team, and I think it's really important to recognize that and, and understand that and be happy about that. There was a lot the Magic should be proud and happy about when it comes to Evan Fournier. But the Magic always needed more. And that's ultimately why the Magic had to move on from him, why the Magic were not willing to give him another four-year, $17 million per year contract. It was fine the first time when he was still a young player that it had room to grow. Now it's a tough position. It's going to be a tough proposition for the Boston Celtics. They're in a pickle with him too, the same pickle the Magic were in. Unfortunately, Fournier just has not grown beyond where he has always been. And that's going to make the future of his career much more difficult to predict. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himway, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Hope you all had a fantastic week. Have a great weekend for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic. This has been Philip Rossman. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic.